Welcome to FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines. FitSpeak, the podcast, is available on Podbean, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and our website, which is www.fitspeak.com. Bonus, we're also alive and kicking it on Instagram. We have pictures of all things triathlon and fitness related. Check it out. Tell us what you think. We are at FitSpeak. And we're also Facebook friendly. The latest links to the coolest things in multi-sport, plus conversations to make you think about why we try. It is FitSpeak on Facebook. FitSpeak is brought to you by Wenting Cycling Mission. And here is your Wenting's word of the week. It is Watts. Mention that word to Bruce or any one of the staff members at Wentings and you'll win a prize. It's just that easy. Once again, your Wentings word of the week is Watts. And we're also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. With the start of the Christmas season and those mega calories just around the corner, it's easy to get off track. TriJoy can help. We'll get you working on a structured training plan that'll burn calories and keep you motivated through Christmas and New Year's. And when the holiday season is over, you'll be fit, not fat. Ready to take on that marathon, bondo, or triathlon you have planned for 2021. It's TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. See the link at the bottom of this page. On the program today, we're heading east to Toronto with the 2020 race season almost vanishing before our eyes. We thought we'd take a look and see if we could find a silver lining in all of this and maybe some light at the end of this COVID tunnel. We'll be speaking with Phil Dale, the director of Ontario Triathlon. We'll take a look at some of the races that were held in the province this year. We'll spotlight some of the athletes there that have been enjoying some success. And we'll also be taking out that old crystal ball and taking some optimistic guesses as to what the 2021 race season may look like. Also in the show, we'll have another segment of Between the Ears. Dr. Elise Ree will be dropping by with advice on how not to gain those extra pounds at Christmas. 10,000 calories of rich, fit-speed-covered chocolate begins right now. And we are taking our show on the road today via Zoom. All the way from the province of Ontario, we have from Triathlon Ontario, Phil Dale. Phil, welcome to FitSpeak. Thanks, thanks for having me, and it's uh, nice to meet you, Kevin. And thank you so much for taking this time on this, uh, what is a miserable day out here in the Fraser Valley of British Columbia. We've got rain, it's typical November weather out here on the west coast. What's it like, uh, and where are you, in Toronto today? No, I'm actually just outside of Toronto in Milton. That's our sort of our headquarters. And uh, yeah, it's a couple degrees above freezing. There's snow on the ground from the weekend. So um, pretty gray out, but uh, it's all right. We can handle it. <laughs> yeah, typical Canadian stuff for this time of year, just uh, rounding the corner and into Christmas we go already um, in this most unusual of years. Now, Phil, what's your specific role there with Triathlon Ontario? So uh, the position is called executive director, and I oversee a team of uh, people that uh, basically our organization is really here to try to grow multi-sport, which is triathlon, duathlon, 
Aquathon, you know, every incarnation of uh, Swim, Bike, Run that you can think of. Uh, we're here to try to grow it in a fun, safe, and fair way. So, you know, we oversee coaching certifications, officials, we sanction events, very specific events we might run ourselves. Um, we do athlete development for all levels, whether that be age group, which is the recreational side, or junior and youth. Um, really, the only things we kind of don't uh, get involved with would be sort of high-performance elites, Olympic-level athletes. That would uh, that would be the national body that would sort of take that over from us. Yeah, we kind of leave that up to the folks at uh, Triathlon Canada to take care of, but everything in between. And I noticed in your uh, initial words there, you said not just triathlon. So uh, one of the things we're trying to do across the country is look at efficient ways of running, in quotes, multi-sport races, not only in Ontario and British Columbia, but across this whole crazy country. Now, 2020, a year to uh, remember, but also kind of a forgetful year. Um, we know that there is the Canadian and pro championships um, Jackson Laundry held those races back in the early part of September um, you know distributing some cash among the PTO members but were there any other multi-sport events in Ontario this year well there was one duathlon that was held up in Sault Ste. Marie which is up north to us um, and it was sort of spread over a couple days, very small. They raised about, uh, if I remember correctly, something like $25,000 for charity. Yeah. It was a charitable, charitable event. Um, but that's it, just those two events. That's all that, uh, um, other than the virtual races, there was a few of those, but in terms of being outside, sort of your usual quote-unquote events those are the only two yeah what a modest modest schedule um i was one of the folks lucky enough to have entered into the uh i think it's really the kickoff to multi-sport uh you know the swim bike run version of multi-sport in canada at ubc which we've been running for i don't know a quarter of a century so i actually got an early season duathlon in and it was the weekend before everything got shut down so i was you know counting my blessings uh, to actually be able to take part in a non-virtual event but things things have changed so much so we're looking at this from you know a western canadian perspective but can you tell us some of the the big races you folks have in ontario well yeah we've got a couple of uh really nice races that are large uh but they still give you that sort of uh grassrootsy feel um Toronto Triathlon Festival is about uh, 1,500 people, and that's right down on the waterfront, downtown Toronto. Um, very unique event in that you can ride on the Gardner Expressway and Lakeshore, which um, anyone in the Toronto area knows that uh, <laughs> sometimes you can walk faster on those uh, highways <laughs> than you can drive. Um, another one is, of course, uh, Muskoka 70.3, which is also around 1,500 people. Um, that has been doing really well in the last few years, sold out, um, and that's of course up in cottage country. And then there's some really great multi-sport Canada events, um, so whether it be a single day or, or multiple day, uh, Welland, uh, of course Niagara Barrelman, and uh, what's another one, uh, big one, uh, Wasega Beach is a good mm -hmm. size one. So yeah, um, it's nice. We've got. Uh, We've got those bigger events that uh, you can get some really good competition in, but certainly uh, feel 
you know, very friendly and they got that great sort of uh, experience still with them. Yeah, even even out here in Western Canada, you know, British Columbia, Alberta, we've heard nothing but good things. And one of the things on a, a lot of our local athletes to-do list is that race called the Barrelman. And of course, there's that other race that, in fact, it used to be a full Ironman distance race. It started off as a 70.3, became an Ironman for a couple of years and was known as being one of the toughest Ironman races on the circuit. And then because the numbers fell and Ironman had to restructure or some of their stuff, they reverted back to the 70.3 race in Muskoka. Uh, my question is kind of, we're already getting into the kind of crystal ball part of this, but considering that Muskoka is, you know, as you were saying, kind of in cottage country and a little bit out of the way, is that potentially going to be one of the races that maybe, just maybe, will be held in 2021? Uh, you know, it's really difficult to say at this time. It's really based on uh, the local municipalities. You know, every uh, sort of health department or, or municipality has slightly different rules. Um, and it's whether or not, uh, you know, let's say, uh, of course, is it safe to have a large group of people? As of today, no. Um, but hopefully in the summer, maybe things are different. And it's really... You know, is that municipality okay with hosting potentially, you know, throughout the day, a uh, thousand people, mm -hmm. eighteen hundred people? It, and it really depends on how the structure of the race is. You know, um, you, typically we would want everybody sort of there at one time. You get everybody through as not quickly as possible. But you know, in terms of road closures and things like that you wanted to traditionally keep your impact on the community as small as possible but you know going forward it we have to get a little bit more creative and um you know whether that's over a couple of days or stretch it out longer throughout the day you know everything's kind of on the table and it's really up to the community whether or not they they're in that uh comfortable position to have that um so it's really you know uh up to each sort of municipality and what they're willing to to handle yeah, it does come down to the community level. Um, talking to some of the race directors out here in, in British Columbia and Alberta, you know, that's one of the things they were saying when the initial decisions for their events to be canceled, you know, back in the summer and, and late spring, they were saying, you know, you might think it would have been a difficult decision to make, but really it wasn't because the local health folks said, you know, well, you're not going to be doing this. So, you know, the role of the race director was that of really more of a messenger than the person or the organization that made the the big quality decisions mm. yeah for sure so it's ironic that sorry uh, it's ironic though because before covid i would say the sport was kind of going towards maybe smaller courses multiple laps like a, a smaller footprint uh and balancing you know if it's a non-drafting event you don't want too many people on the course getting too bunched up but I think uh, in terms of efficiency and the limiting the impact on communities and uh, having to close roads uh, book police officers things like that I think this we were going towards looking for venues or condensing the, the impact the footprint um, smaller so yeah it, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how um, how it goes forward 
Yeah, and looking at for 2021 and, and who knows for much longer, um, I think race directors are really going to have to get good at this sort of thing. Um, and as you were saying, uh, changing to more of a, a loop format to, to lessen the impact um, also comes in handy as far as not having to have quite as many um, volunteers on the course as well. Right. Well, you know, our sport relies so heavily on volunteers, and mm -hmm. that's a good thing because uh, it just shows how much people are willing to support it. But uh, from a logistics point of view, it can get difficult to uh, locate the volunteers, keep them coming back every year. Um, so, yeah, if there is a way to lessen the need for volunteers, then, I mean, that's, that's great. Uh, for lots of reasons, obviously. Yeah, for sure. Now, let's change it from uh, the places and the weather and the COVID to, to some people and looking kind of at the at the bright side. Now, we knew that 2020 was going to be an Olympic year, but of course, that starts with a so, uh, strong, rather, junior program. Did you have any uh, rising stars, whether it's age groupers or junior elites in Ontario this year that we should know about? If we look at sort of the uh, start with the long course, we've got this sort of unique program in Ontario. Um, we have uh, what we call a long course development team, and it's for sort of new pros who are just sort of either transitioning out of age group or transitioning out of, let's say, U23 short course, trying to make their career. And a couple of those athletes uh, you may have heard of already, Tamara Jewett. Well, uh, for sure, yeah on the female side. And even, uh, although Jackson Landry, again, you've already heard of him, and he was on that team uh, two seasons ago. Those are the two on the long course side of things that I would say, um, you know, have a really good potential pro career in front of them and uh, are sort of riding stars in Canada, at least, or maybe even North America. When we get into short course, it gets a little bit more tricky to sort of identify some athletes. I think as a country, we're struggling right now with converting juniors into U23 and elite athletes or keeping them in, uh, in the sport and at that level. I think we've always had some really good junior athletes, but we just haven't been able to keep them in the sport and uh, keep them successful going through uh, the senior ranks. So I'm a little bit hesitant to sort of... Um, uh, put some junior names out there mm -hmm. just because in that context, you know, I certainly don't want to put any kind of pressure. Yeah. Or, you know, yes, there's definitely uh, some good quality juniors across the country and it's sort of up to us and coaches to uh, keep that development pathway going and keep them in the sport so that you'll hear about them when they're 23, not at uh, 17 or 18. You're right. Well, let's talk some of the big names in the sport and of course we when we were uh, trading emails back and forth. We were talking about that kid who sometimes has a mustache and sometimes does not have a mustache from uh, from Windsor. Um, what do you think as far as female, let's go female first, female and male triathletes that really stand out uh, for you, um, not necessarily in Ontario, but uh, Canada as well, if you could pick a couple. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I think we're pretty lucky here, especially in Ontario, because uh, when we look at the long course pros, we've got, of course, Lionel, we've got Cody Beals, we've got um, Jackson Landry coming up and Taylor Reed. Um, so those are some good quality guys just from Ontario. Um, I'll let the other provinces brag about their athletes. <laughs> <laughs> 
so I'll keep it Ontario centric. Um, and then on the female side, yeah, I mean, Tamara is looking really great. She was a fantastic runner in university and in the national program and transferred into triathlon due to injuries. And then we've got a couple of other uh, young ladies that, um, you know, that they keep at it, have a promising career coming up. And then, uh, you know, when I look at, uh, obviously, um, Olympic hopefuls, you know, we've got Tyler from Manitoba, mm-hmm. who is, uh, you know, uh, got a, the weight of the nation on his shoulders, in a sense. And then uh, Joanna Brown's always been sort of our best uh, female in the last three years or so. Um, and yeah, hopefully we can get a couple other people to uh, fill in the ranks behind them. And hopefully for the folks in Ontario, um, we out here in BC don't steal like we did, uh, you know, some of the biggest names in triathlon back about 15, 20 years ago. We had Peter Reed, a cyclist, and did pretty well in triathlon in Ontario, comes over here to Victoria. Uh, Lori Bowden, also from Ontario. Um, Simon Whitfield made the track from right. Ontario over to Victoria to do the training with the group there uh, at the National Training Center. Um, I guess Lisa Bentley stayed uh, tried and true to uh, Ontario. She's still there, right? Yep, yep. She's uh, she's working with the group out of the uh, the Muskoka guys. There, uh, she's a big supporter of, uh, of that event and, and works uh, a little bit with those guys. Yeah, she's a big name in the community and uh, she's a really nice person. I've had the pleasure of uh, getting to know her and. Uh, yeah, we're very lucky to have her. And still very active in the coaching community. She was uh, one of the folks responsible, uh, one of Canada's, in quotes, new rising stars at the long distance. We have Rach McBride from now from British Columbia. Prior to that, she was from Ontario, or they were from Ontario. What's interesting is when we were looking at Rach's performance at Ironman New Zealand this year, she was. Uh, they were lucky enough to race that. Um, Rach's time would have been 20 minutes faster than Lisa Bentley's back in the year 2000 and Lisa had actually won the whole event so um, what I guess I'm trying to say here is the caliber of the racers in the female division has just increased amazingly over the the past couple of decades and we're seeing some amazing times so we'll have to see if some more uh, big talent comes out of uh, out of Ontario um, this section, we're a little bit uh, trepidatious, I guess, to talk about. We're going to crystal ball what 2021 might look like. Um, you did some prep work. What do you think, Phil? Where are we going with this, Phil? Well, you know, um, referencing back that uh, Canadian Pro Championship that was done up in Caledon was a very interesting format. They did the swim on its own and then had about a two hour break maybe three hour break to uh move to a different location where they did the bike and run and now that was obviously a very small event you know coming up with sort of different ways to execute races is what it's probably going to be like so we've been in discussion with some race directors who are looking at ways to spread out um spread out the event create sort of cohorts under the assumption that we could have, let's say, 100 people outside competing, not side by side, groups of 100 people. And what would that look like? How would it get executed? Which events could actually do something like that? So um, I would see, I mean, it changes daily, mm-hmm. but what we're hoping for is that we could have, you know, maybe a half a dozen events at least going forward and uh, functioning under, you know, 
more strict guidelines or just a different way of executing where uh, people can be spaced out and uh, be safe. Now, I'm looking at this from uh, an age grouper's perspective. So quite truthfully, we're looking at less numbers. We're looking at more effort required of the race director and the whole race organization crew. Um, it sounds like the price of uh, racing our favorite triathlons has to go up. Um, well, I think, you know, getting through 2021, because I do see the light at the end of the tunnel, um, whether it's through vaccination or, you know, this won't go on forever, but uh, it's really just trying to bridge through, I think, the summer. And uh, by 2022, I think that could look completely different. Um, so I, I would say don't, uh, I'm not getting the sense that race directors are going to need to jack up the prices hmm. of entries. I'm getting the sense that they are going to do the best that they can to offer something to keep the public or keep the customers engaged and in the sport. So yes, numbers will be down or at least the number of events will be down. Yeah. But um, you know, our race directors have been very resourceful and they always have put the customer first. And so if they need to I don't want to put words in their mouth, but if they need to kind of be a little bit lean for one summer and just weather the storm, I, I think that that's, um, you know, we can, uh, we're, we're fortunate to have the race directors that we do, at least in Ontario, that's all I can really speak for. But, um, you know, they're very sensitive to that kind of thing. So I wouldn't expect you to see, you know, massive price hikes anytime soon. No, well, that's uh, that's kind of a relief to hear it from you, Phil, and, and and we certainly hope that you know inflation is is a fact of everyday life. But to what extent are they going to have to raise the price in order to keep uh, to keep us on the race course? And you know, I'm not sure where the yeah, I think what the where you make up the difference is unfortunately maybe the race experience isn't quite the same in terms of maybe there isn't awards maybe the food isn't there that you've been accustomed to um, those sorts of things i think is where you can make trim a little bit uh, and keep the price stable so yes i think it may not be the exact same experience in 2021 yeah uh, but it's sort of a I don't want to say stopgap measure, but um, it's a way to kind of get us through to getting back to, you know, the kind of experience that we've all become accustomed to and love and appreciate. And if you've ever been in the sport for more than three or four years, um, talking about cost cutting, do we really need another race t-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know uh, here they give you the option and you get a discount um, off your uh, race entry if you choose not to uh, not to take the t-shirt or the medal or, or I, there's things like that that we uh, our race directors offer just to kind of keep things down. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I mean, you know, if you take a look at any triathlete's uh, chest of drawers or closet, you know, two-thirds of our wardrobe is race t-shirts from the 1990s and onwards. So, it, it, But to have that option with the medal and with the race shirt is, is kind of nice. And, and you know, as, as a beginner triathlete, yeah, I want to get my collection going and get as many 
as possible in the first few years, but then, then of course, we just start running out of space. Um, you were alluding to a little bit earlier the race directors, who you know really are the unsung heroes of the sport. They, you know, of course, without them, we're not going to be racing, or we're just going to be doing kind of our own thing, which is fun, but it's just not the same as Kevin McKinnon and I say. You know, what makes a triathlete? It's uh, it's a person who races and. Uh, trains with the hope of racing. As an orga uh, organization, rather, um, is there anything that Tri Ontario can do to help race directors weather this storm? Uh, I mean, short of financial assistance, which we really aren't in a position to offer, um, you know, we try to be partners as always with our race directors. We, we discuss the options, we kind of brainstorm with them. Uh, certainly any kind of news or promotional assistance that we can provide to help get their messages out to the masses um, we're, you know, we're more than happy to do and yeah we've you know if it's a matter of uh, talking to local authorities or you know, any kind of support that we can offer we're there you know we really do recognize that our sport really came from events first and governing bodies kind of came after. And uh, without our events, you know, we may not even have a sport. So, you know, the, the successful, healthy group of race organizers is absolutely vital for the sport. And um, so, yeah, I mean, everyone's a little bit different on what kind of help they could need. Um, some use us more than others, but uh, we're always here as a, a partner and another sort of voice. And anything that we can do to lend credibility when they're talking to whomever, a health department, a municipality, um, you know, we're, we're here always for them. Yeah, so it you know when a race director wants to perhaps get into a new location, of course the the local folks could be and rightfully so skeptical of an event, especially with the COVID. But even putting that aside, you know, are the roads going to be safe? What's going to be you know what's that going to look like? Are our streets going to be tied up? So yeah, absolutely, and it's nice to have the the power of a sanctioning body such as Triathlon BC or Triathlon Ontario to to put an official face on this and to to dot all the I's, cross all the T's, and, and see that new races are being offered. Yeah, definitely. Um, we're, we've been beneficial here in Ontario that a lot of our race organizers have been at it for, you know, 10 years or, you know, either more. Or, so, yeah, they're very experienced, very knowledgeable, and, um, uh, yeah, we're, we're really fortunate. We've got a great group of uh, organizers here. So before we let you go, Phil, we're going to give you an opportunity to kind of spout off. Our last question is usually uh, the soapbox question. So is there something as uh, you know, a person who's involved and has been for quite some time in triathlon you know, across the country, Phil, um, your soapbox moment, what is it that you would like to tell every triathlete in Canada? Well, I would say just be patient. Stay with us. Stay in the sport continue to train I know uh, I know it's difficult to train sometimes when you don't have a race or a destination race in mind um, you know even with my own recreational training you know if you don't have that uh, that goal sometimes it's hard to keep at it but uh, I would just uh, ask everybody to you know uh, come back to the sport we're, we're gonna be stronger and better through this and um, you know, support your local race directors. Uh, you know, perhaps instead of going to that 
uh, race on the other side of the world, you know, do races in your backyard. You know, we, uh, we often hear uh, um, support local, whether that be restaurants and things like that. But yeah. think about that in terms of your races, because um, our race organizers could use the support and uh, we want them around. And um, so, yeah, maybe when, uh, when we're back up and running at full steam, take a year to just look at those local races that maybe um, you never thought of and uh, do a couple of them. That would be great. Well, uh, thank you so much for the time, Phil. I appreciate you stopping in and uh, fit speaking with us and uh, keeping our fingers crossed for you as you head into, you know, a lot more uncertainty uh, in the world of triathlon and whatever else is uh, going to be in your path over the next uh, couple of months. Well, thanks. I appreciate the opportunity and uh, it was great to talk to you, Kevin. With Christmas and New Year's around the corner, you want to make sure that you don't gain excess weight. Here are three tips in helping you achieve that goal. I'm Dr. H. Elise Ree, and this is Between the Ears. As a person with well-established exercise habits, you don't want to have a few extra pounds going into the new year. So first, remind yourself of how difficult it is to lose weight and eat small amounts of high calorie and empty calories such as cookies, chocolate, and those other sweet treats. Two, take small portions in the first place and be mindful while you're eating. Ask yourself while you're eating if you've had enough and then enjoy each mouthful. Do nothing other than eat and talk. So don't be watching TV, playing video games and eating. Really pay attention to what you're eating and just eat. Three, eat slowly and put the cutlery down several times while eating. So by eating small amounts of those naughty foods, paying attention to eating while you're eating, and eating slowly, your new year should be off to a great start without tears on your bathroom scale. For Between the Ears, I'm Dr. H. Elise Ree. And that's it for another edition of FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. Coming up on our next episode, we'll chat with a University of Victoria researcher who will be telling us about his exciting study on how COVID-19 is affecting the psyche of triathletes across the country. Along with ATC head coach Mikey Ross, he'll be back again for his top five list. FitSpeak is brought to you by Wenting Cycling Mission. Your Wenting's Word of the Week is Watts. Once again, your Wenting's Word of the Week is Watts. And yes, we're also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. Whether you want to go faster or go farther, TriJoy can help. With our low client-to-coach ratio, we can give you the attention you deserve to achieve your potential. It's TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. See our link at the bottom of this page. We'd like to thank our guest this week, Phil Dale from Triathlon Ontario, and wish him and the athletes in that province the best of success in 2021. 
just a reminder, we too are on Facebook. We're your local go-to spot for information and inspiration. Yes, it's FitSpeak on Facebook. And now, at FitSpeak on Instagram. Your place on the internet where you can see what we've been up to, what excites us, and for you to share your story and pictures. Finally, if you're listening to us on Podbean, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, why not drop by our website to see a bit more about the program, maybe leave us a comment on the show or ideas for future programs. For Kevin Watt, Dr. Herr, Roy McBath, and Mikey Ross, I'm Kevin Hines. Thanks for listening. <laughs>